This episode of Priority One is brought to you by Sayulita.com. Sayulita, Mexico is the closest thing to Planet Risa. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 139 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast, recorded Thursday, August 29th, 2013, live on trekradio.net and available for download on Mondays on PriorityOnePodcast.com. I am Tony. And I'm Elijah. Before we get on with this week's show, I do want to give a very big shout out and thank you to trekradio.net. We have now moved our live recording times from 8 Eastern to 10 Eastern. So we are no longer going to be broadcasting live on Trek Radio at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That has been moved to 10 p.m. Eastern. So we'll be playing some music, then we'll get the show started by about 10.30 or so. And a big special thanks to everyone over at Trek Radio for accommodating. I'm going back to school, so very big thanks to everyone over there. To DJ David for swapping scheduled shifts with us and for the entire programming team at Trek Radio. A big thank you. What do we have in store this week, Elijah? This week, we trek out how researchers from the University of Washington have redefined a mind meld. In Stone News, we recap some interesting news coming from executive producer Daniel Stahl in a recent interview with Mog Nation. We'll also look at the Lobby Store and find out what items we've purchased, if any. In this episode's Community Spotlight, we've got Fleet Admiral interview with Wallace and Brian of the 77th Fleet. And as always, we'll open hailing frequencies and see what we have incoming from you, our listeners. All right, Captains, let's get ready to trek it out. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Captains, this week we trek out research coming out of the University of Washington that takes the Vulcan mind meld to a whole nother level. Ben Weiss shared with us an article from ExtremeTech.com reporting on the first human-to-human, brain-to-brain, non-invasive interface. Say that three times fast. According to the article, the system allows one researcher to remotely control the hand of another researcher across the interwebs using technology already used in medicine today. Using commonly used BCIs, or brain-computer interfaces, the sender of the physical command is hooked up to a computer via an EEG-based BCI. The receiver is hooked up to a machine via a magstism transcranial magnetic stimulation machine, or TMS for short. These TMS machines have been used to treat depression and other mental illnesses. When the sender thinks about tapping, let's say, the spacebar to play a simple game, the message is sent via the internet, and the TMS machine stimulates the receiver's motor cortex, 
the part of the brain that controls hand movement. The article suggests that several skeptics fear that this is the first step in full body mind control. Forget Manchurian candidate. Now, just implant this small chip into your brain and we'll control you like an avatar. But researchers assure that the technology they have could not control someone without their knowledge. Heck, the article even points to yet another research project out of Brown University about the first wireless implanted brain-computer interface. These two universities should uh, have a cup of coffee. The next step for researchers? More complex commands. But there is still some time before we see someone juggling or riding a unicycle thanks to the mental skills and prowess of someone else. Check out the full article by Sebastian Anthony on ExtremeTech.com. There's even a cool link and video demonstrating the success of the project. Links, of course, will be in the show notes. Discover something you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about? Send them over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now let's check out what happened in Stowe News. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Last week, executive producer Dan Stahl stopped by ModNation.com and sat down for an interview. Posted online, you can find the link in our show notes and on the Star Trek Online website. Uh, they wandered to and fro about a variety of subjects. What I found interesting was they talked about the Foundry. Yes, my little pet feature of Star Trek Online that I love so much. And they asked him, how do you feel about the general direction of the Foundry? And Mr. Stahl says... It still feels like it's just getting started, and it really does still feel like a beta. Yes, it does. But he also goes on to point out that the launch of Neverwinter has started to see some epic-scale projects over in that game, and still feels jealous. And they're going to start looking at bringing them over to Star Trek Online. They're, quote, evaluating and scrutinizing the plans we had for the Foundry in STO to ensure we're moving in the right direction. So they're watching very closely over at Neverwinter, which... Their foundry has had some issues in the recent past, so I'm sure that those issues are also being taken into account with this. They're going to convert the new goodies for use in Star Trek Online, and there are many features they want to bring over, so it's going to take, quote, longer than expected before the Stowe Foundry is on par with what they have in Neverwinter. So if they build it, we will maybe still be here. I think that's kind of the idea here. But one of the major problems they've had with the Foundry course is the ups and downs regarding Foundry reward abuse. And Mognation asked them if they think we finally got a handle on it, to which Mr. Stahl replies, even with the epic huge dungeons being created in Neverwinter, if missions don't give ample rewards to the player for the hour and a half they spend in the game, it's not going to get played as much as the content that does reward. So this is encouraging and discouraging to me. I would hope that people would play those hour and a half long missions just for the love of the story and love of the game. But it seems to me that the economy of Star Trek Online starts to take overwhelming precedence to people. And with all these different projects you got to do and all these different reputation systems and the Starbase projects, it seems like no one has time for a good old-fashioned Star Trek story anymore. And I'm a little disappointed in that. What do you think, Elijah? Let me, let me I'll put my psychic helmet. You ready, Elijah? You ready? No, don't even bother <laughs> putting your psychic helmet because I'm gonna really, I'm gonna really anger a lot of people right now. I think the truth of the matter is, is that the Foundry is not a money generating feature for Star Trek Online. No, I appreciate several fan made projects that are about Star Trek. 
I like Star Trek of Gods and Men. I've actually even started reading several of the books. However, it's a hard pill to swallow because I'm one of those people that if it's not canon, I don't believe it is that kind of mentality, so I almost have to force myself into the fanfiction. However, that's not to say that Star Trek fans do not deserve an avenue, a playground to create their own fanfiction. I don't think that they do not deserve a venue to put together their own fanfiction. However, I am not the type of player to go in and actively look for fan-made missions. That is not to say that there are not fabulous ones. Quite the contrary. When the Foundry first came out and we first took over this podcast, we tried to be very active about playing Foundry missions because there are some phenomenal authors out there that make missions that, for their time, put cryptic missions to shame. I would love to see love for the Foundry at some point, but I think we just need to let it go. Just let it go. I mean, the the Foundry's been in beta since the beginning. This game did not launch with a functioning 100% published, polished Foundry. The Foundry was added later. I mean, it was a feature that added in. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think it was a test bed. It was quite literally a test bed for perhaps Neverwinter. I just don't see the audience there. I don't see that the average player that picks up this game, the free-to-play player, picking up this game, looking and saying, oh, I want to play a Foundry mission. Did you try a Foundry mission, like, right before you went to Vegas, Elijah? Did you did you try one? I did try a Foundry mission. I tried Tony Hunter's Foundry mission. And how far through that mission did you get? I don't know. You tell me, because it like, forever. <laughs> This is why this mission has been playtested. It's got nearly 800 reviews. I think it might have tipped over 800 today, actually. But it's got 800 reviews, four and five stars. I mean, lots of people like this mission. It's about 45 minutes long, and that's too long for Elijah. And let's be clear here. Elijah, super fan of Star Trek Online, has a podcast. We went to Las Vegas, pressing the flesh. We do interviews with people. I mean, super fan Elijah. He couldn't hang with a 45-minute-long story-based mission. He couldn't do it. I've got a puzzle in there. I've got strong characters. I don't have any typos. It's well thought out. I mean, I invested hours into my series. Overture, by the way, for anybody who's listening. Overture series. Just type that in. But don't play it if you don't want the story. And that's the problem. Is that, honestly, I see Cryptic's point. There really isn't a lot of return on investment to this thing. Because most players are like Elijah and Elliot. He tried my mission, too, and he couldn't make it all the way through. He just didn't care. Listen, I am going to say this. I'm going to drive <laughs> Elliot under the bus. He and I started at the same time. I go, where are you? He's like, I'm at this part. I'm like, how are you that far? He started skimming over. I was reading every word of your dialogue because it was your mission and you asked me to do it. And I did it. I did it with as much dedication and devotion to your craft as I could possibly pay as attention. And I did. And listen, you wrote really well, and I could hear Tony talking, and it was really fun. It was really exciting. It was a fun mission. But yeah, no, me, I have a hard time reading the Star Trek fan books, but that's because I suck at reading, too. I just, I'm not a big reader, a book reader. But hold on a second, because I don't I don't want you to accuse me of being one of those pew-pew people, because I'm not just all about pew-pew. I do like my action. I do like to go in and play a game that I have to blow stuff up. I think that the scale between story-driven foundry and then only action, they're just too far extreme. You have missions that were designed to exploit the game by just blowing stuff up, and then you have missions 
that you need to sit back with a glass of wine to enjoy. And as a matter of fact, in my sixth and final overture mission, I advise the player to go get a bag of popcorn because that one will take you two <laughs> hours to finish. But if I've done my job, the two hours flies by because you are so invested in the characters of the story. But this is my point. I tell people up front, this is what it's going to do and this is what it's going to take. There is no uniform method of discovery on the Foundry that will let people sort through that. And so I can get the people that want to play the long story, character-driven novel, okay, that's on the Foundry. And if people want to do the EC farming, they can find those. But the assumption that a lot of people have is either that it's all EC farming or it's all, dear God, it's electronic Novocaine, electronic Valium. I'm going to fall asleep. And there's no way to tell where missions are on that spectrum in between. So I think that Cryptic's time and resources would be better spent in improving the discovery mechanisms about those foundry missions. Put some data out there. They've got tons of data. How much damage was done during this mission? How much enemy damage was done taking this mission? You know, that'll tell you if there's lots of fights, how much is ground, how much of it was space, how many lines of text are on it, how many character boxes, how many average clicks does it take to go through the dialogue? Just put raw data out there. They've got it, or they can get it easily enough. That sort of information will help people decide, oh, that thing's got way too much reading to do. I ain't doing that one. This stuff has too much pew-pew on the ground. I hate ground. I'm not doing that one. Oh, this one's got a crap ton of space battle. That's the one I want. And then they go play that one. There needs to be a much better mechanism to sort out between the Kinetic Impulsor Overture series. Wink. Go play it. The ones that are concentrated on character and story and the Elijah-centered, yeah, I like the story, but really get me to the fights. Or the Elliot, words. Much words. Don't like words. But shoot things. Yeah, Elliot, that was for you. That's for you, buddy. Take it. All right, well, I'll get off my soapbox here, but go check out the interview. Our link will be in the show notes uh, to mognation.com. Dan also talks about the Gateway and some other things. They're gearing up for the feature episode, so he doesn't get you know too specific as we've come to appreciate from Dan Stahl 2.0. But he does talk about the general direction of the game, and it's a pretty good interview, so go check that out. Up next in Stow News, we have a big promotion going on in the Lobby Store. You can save up to 40% off in Lobby Store items. I took advantage of this a little bit. I've been working at getting my Jem'Hadar space set upgraded because I actually use the Jem'Hadar engine in combat. Without flying a Jem'Hadar bug or dreadnought, I fly the Chimera, but when I'm in combat... I'll... It's purple. It looks pretty. No, when I'm in combat, I think the stats on the Jem'Hadar engine are actually pretty worth it to have on your ship but anyway i finally took advantage of this sale it was 15 percent off and i was able to finally get the mark 12 gemadar set which is cool the big ticket item is a photonic tactical officer that's 40 percent off so it's actually only 180 low buy crystals as opposed to 300 i hope i don't get buyer's remorse mm, and big sale yeah i know it's a big sale so i hope i don't get buyer's remorse and oh yeah and wish that i that i buyer's remorse. and wish that i would have gotten the photonic tactical officer instead I, maybe i will i don't know you know what you could do you could open a bunch more lock boxes and get a bunch more right boxes. speaking of lock boxes yeah you could you could you could do that we were gonna save this for speaking feedback but i'm gonna go ahead and just bring this up now well this is all this is all good stuff yeah it is all good stuff speaking of lock boxes last week we talked a little bit about lock boxes and i had mentioned how the buyer's remorse seems to have been taken care of with the addition of several nice hot ticket items for instance the genetic retrait including the genetic traits helmsman is nice like helmsman or um inspirational inspirational leader correct those are two very good traits 
I bought myself a 10-pack of keys. I kid you not, mm-hmm. I got yeah. duty officers. Oh, I got one ship. <gasps> I got one mirror ship, but I got duty officers. Okay? Are you telling me that nine of the ten boxes were duty officers? All right, maybe I'm over-exaggerating, but eight out of the ten were duty officers. I think I got a VIP dilithium mining thing, but... Not $10 good, but yeah, good. Yeah, not $10 good, but I wanted the helmsman. I'm thinking, oh, sure, ten keys will get me the helmsman, surely. Oh, yeah, totally poor wrong. Poor fool. Totally wrong. So, <laughs> so I did have a bit of buyer's remorse when it came to that. I won't lie. Because if I'm going to spend money on a 10-key pack, then I want the thing that I want. And if the hot-ticket item that they're trying to push to the ship and not the retrade, then I would think that my uh, my chances of getting the retrade would be fantastic. But clearly not. So I did have a little bit of buyer's remorse. I won't lie. I wish I would have had the helmsman. Because, listen, those traits are being sold for an astronomical amount on the exchange. Like $30 yes, they are. million dollars and up. And up. I don't have that kind of spare pocket change. Yeah, but it's just energy credits, man. It's just all fake money, man. You can just do 80 STFs and get loot drops. Just do 80 STFs. Oh, wait, you're going back to school. You don't have that kind of time. Right. This is something interesting that was also in that Mognation article that Dan made it kind of a point that they really want to go back and, like, give the systems that feel a little bit orphaned right now some extra love. PvP has been very orphaned. They're going to have to do some major work on that. Foundry, major work on is required on that. But there's things like the duty officers. Dan has said that this is their big push. That needs to be updated. needs to be polished a little bit. I think they could use another pass at the economy. The lobby versus the lockboxes versus the gold price latinum that's still sitting out there doing nothing. We asked for feedback on the lockboxes, and we're going to get to feedback in just a second. But I think overall, they might want to take a pass at the economy as a whole. Because if you are going to offer prizes like they want, like people want like the genetic resequester traits, and as the exchange points out, as you said, Elijah, they're expensive. It's half as much as a, some of the ships. So those are high-ticket items. And if those are one of the sort of consolation prizes, well, then maybe the odds of getting those need to go up a little bit. Or maybe the odds of getting a duty officer pack need to go down. So I think the entire economy as a whole could use a quote-unquote balance pass. And I think they tried to start doing that when they put the cool down on the tour of the universe thing. Oh, the forums went wild. Well, at least a few people on the forums went wild. I think it was the same six people saying, commenting over and over. But that's sort of indicative of them needing to sort of take a balance pass at the economy as a whole and see what their drop rates versus what people are paying for things on the exchange. I mean, I'm sure they're looking at this from time to time, but the big picture might need to be looked at here, I think. Agreed. Agreed. And I like how you said if the genetic resequencers are supposed to be a consolation prize, then if I buy 10 keys and I open up 10 boxes, I want a genetic resequencer. I either want Helmsman or something, but one of them. One of them so I can then sell it on the exchange and then get the one that I want or something. It's just, I was really disappointed. I'm there thinking, right, after last week's episode, I'm there thinking, oh my god, I'm really excited. I really, I'm going to finally get what I want. And no, not even. I, you know, most people go after oh. the ships, but I want my genetic resequencer, but no, I don't get it. I get... You poor, you poor son. I get poor, doffs. Poor, 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 poor man. Got doffs. And I think I pointed out last week on the show that what I considered the DOS sort of the booby prize. You know, it's like when you get the DOS, you're like, oh, you know, and then, and, yeah, and then you, you know that you Yeah, but you can't get that, that 10 of... times out of, like, 8 times out of 10. 
I still have two keys <sighs> left. Maybe I'll be lucky. Yes, yes you can. But no, you won't. You're not Charlie you're right. and Sheldon I'm Factory. Not. You're, you're right. Not. I'm not. I'm not going to get lucky. I'm not. I'm not going to get the helmsman. <laughs> I'm not going to get the, the inspirational leader because those are the two that I want. Instead, I'm going to get a mirror universe something, something, something. And I don't want the mirror universe something, something, something. I don't want that ship because even the mirror universe ships, I don't think they're selling very high on the exchange. No, they're literally... I think if you took the exchange rate between Dilithium and Zen and mirror universe ships, I think you could literally get them for a dime a dozen. I really yes, think that's about the yeah. price. Why? Why yeah. is that? Why are the mirror universe because ships... Because their drop rates are too high. Because the drop rates are too high. This is what I'm talking about. And I think that's our community question this week. Okay, yes, you're right. That is our community question. What drop rates need to change in Star Trek Online? What to you is out of whack? What are you seeing way too much of that nobody likes and not enough of that everybody wants? Give us the answer on the Star Trek Online forums. Put it on PriorityOnePodcast.com on our show note page. Where are the numbers wrong on the drop rates? Give us a shout. Let us know what you think. Well, Captains... That wraps up this week in Star Trek Online News. Let's move to our Community Spotlight segment with our Fleet Admiral interview. This episode's Community Spotlight is a Fleet Admiral interview with Guild founder Wallace and one of his guild leaders, Brian, of the 77th Fleets. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me this evening. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for having us. And a very special thanks to Wolf of 77th Fleet for helping us put this interview together. Not a problem at all. You're more than welcome. Wallace, why don't you tell us a little bit about the fleet, how you got connected with it, or how you got it started? Well, in the old days, you know, it took forever to level a tune, you know, to get through it. it I realized early on you needed a team, you know, it, it took a team to get through it. I was looking for those teams and putting those teams together pretty much from the start, you know, as soon as I got to level 50 and could do the in-game missions, and I was looking for a team and recruiting people in the game and in every way possible, and I kind of got lucky, you know, the guys that helped me out in the early days, and a lot of those guys are still here today, so it's... uh. It's more of a testament to what they've done, you know, opposed to what I've done. I'm just a spoke in the wheel here. Now, was this fleet originally in Star Trek Online, or was this in another game that you were playing and then it moved into Star Trek Online? No, no. Star Trek Online was where we started. So did you think that you were going to end up building yourself a fleet, or was it kind of a surprise and a natural evolution of meeting new people in the game? A little bit of both, but didn't realize that the potential would definitely be there, you know, that I would have the potential to meet and talk to people from all over the world, you know, as the way it's turned out over the last four years. But no, just looking for those teams, you know, putting those teams together and a guy named Judicator from Exile Alliance, he found me and seen what I was doing and he gave me a team speak, just here you go, you know, now you can talk to these people and it just opened the door and from then doors just kept opening. And that's kind of just where it started. Now, in this natural evolution of having a fleet, can you talk to us a little bit about its style? Do you have a prime directive, so to speak? Well, Brian might be able to back me up here. You know, we started out helping people, helping them team up and breaking the ice to communicate and understand the, the finer points of the game, the numbers. Those are the things that I struggle with. So that team essence is what's bound us all together but as far as a prime directive brian might be able to speak a little bit more on this but it has always been helping the new guys in the game you know 
helping them understand it the way some of the older guys understood it. I'd have to agree. Our main goal or focus is to bring members together, and we're willing to teach them all our secrets, you know what I mean? Help them level as fast as they can, help them become a productive member of the fleet. I think that's our main goal. All right, can you talk to us a little bit about the structure of the fleet? Well, the 77th Fleets is comprised of six different fleets, okay? Each fleet has its own fleet leader. Each fleet leader appoints his own chiefs of staff and so on and so forth down the line. Each fleet leader designates how he wants to promote and what he wants his ranking structure to look like in the game. But ultimately, when TeamSpeak comes into play, you know, everybody has a designation if they're an officer. I am the overall guild leader of the 77th, so if any major decisions need to be made, I am the guy that everyone consults with. Each fleet does govern itself, but as far as the guild and the direction in which it heads... At this time, I am currently guiding us. Now, speaking about bringing new people into the game and into the fleet, how do you maintain fleet morale? How do you keep people's spirits up and continue activity? We've got a couple of characters in this fleet. If you if you listen to Black Star Radio, then you've heard this character in our fleet. And, and I'm telling you what, man, he pulls them in. You know, he retains them. He helps, you know, keep the spirits light and keep the move, you know, going and... You know, just makes everything that we're doing over and over a lot more fun, you know. And he's a real testament to what we're doing here. And, you know, we'd be a loss without him. So I just want to say, you know, thank you to him. And that means a big deal. Morale is imperative. You know, communication is key. So Speaking about the players and the members, you know, you've spoken highly of Brian. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your real-life personas, and what about those of your members outside of the game? You know, what kind of players are part of the 77th Fleets? Well, I'd say primarily we're working men, you know. We have real jobs, and, you know, those things come first in the game. And understanding that, you know, from our perspective has helped, you know, relate to so many others that go through the same things that we do, you know, real life first. That's always been one of the key, you know, things in the way that we've talked to our people here and dealt with the things that come up in real life. It pulls us all the way, you know, and that's how we've maintained the balances by delegating that responsibility and that understanding that, you know, to be here and what it means to be here. If you can't be here, you know, you have to delegate those positions and the people that come together to help to unify that across the board they're all they're all working men they got real lives and that always comes first a good example of that one would be i'm getting married here shortly wallace brian and a few other people here that i've known for quite a while that i'm real close with i've actually have invited them to come out to where I'm having my wedding to attend my wedding because they I feel they are such personal friends to me it's just amazing I mean there's if you're in the alliance you know you're like a cousin to us if you're an actual 77th member you're looked like as close family like brothers and sisters that's how tight net we are around here now, do you guys have a fleet website? How do you communicate with your members? Is it all in-game? Do you have a set of forums? Do you have a fleet website that people can visit? Yeah, we have a website that we use to convey important information, send out guild-wide PMs, such as we want to plan 
you know, a fleet event for the entire guild. So we'll send out a PM on the website, and every member who's registered there will receive an email, and they'll be able to log in and find out what's going on. But our website is www.77thtacticalfleet.guildlaunch.com. So 77th? Yeah. And is there a specific procedure that someone has to go through to become a member of the fleet? Take the invite. That's pretty straightforward. (laughs) Be willing to go into the fray, find out what's on the other side. It might just be the best decision you ever made. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. Well, gentlemen, we're at the point of the interview where it's time for shout-outs. Do you have any specific fleet members, fleet leadership that you want to give special thanks to, people who've worked very hard on projects? I would like to thank every member of the 77th who comes into TeamSpeak as much as they're in-game because without those guys, we wouldn't have what we have. So I want to thank every member of the 77th that comes into TeamSpeak on a regular basis. I love you guys, man, and if it wasn't for you, this guild wouldn't be where it's at today. I want to give a special thanks to the Imperium Alliance and Afterburner. You know, he helped put this all together. 32nd Vipers, TAC Fleet Omega, 10th Fleet, you know, 150th Op 4. A very special thank you to Black Star Radio, who's been uh, holding us up for a while. Wolf Squadron, Celio Scouts, Rebel Unification. All you guys, man, you make this work, you know. You see how we're doing it. We're all doing this together. Awesome. Well, I mean, the passion is certainly infectious, and we definitely feel it. So if you are not already part of a fleet and are still looking, be sure to reach out to 77th Fleet for an open invitation. Certainly there for you. Gentlemen, thank you so very much for your time. It's been a real pleasure getting to learn about the 77th Fleets and getting to know you guys, the leaders, the top brass of the fleet, the people that keep it going and keep the excitement going, not just for your own fleet, but for Star Trek Online. It's communities like yours that keep the game alive. For that, keep us alive here at Priority One Podcast. So we most certainly thank you for that. And we look forward to seeing you in-game. Thanks again, Elijah. We hope to see you in-game as well. A very special thanks to our fleet admirals for joining us on this episode's Community Spotlight. Let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? We are getting to know each other. Well, from the STO forums, we hear from TRH Ranger XML, and he's stirring up some controversy on the forums. Starting off with... Didn't the Voth have colony ships? So couldn't this be a prequel to generation ships like the Enterprise J? To which Center Solace replies, I hope not. I would like to have as few things from Enterprise as possible. Ooh. Well, and then Ranger XML steps in it again. Ilachi were in two episodes, Enterprise, Silent Enemy, Ship, and TNG, Schisms, the actual Ilachi. Might be wrong on this one. And Azomov78 comes right back. The Alachi were only ever in Enterprise, then known as Shroomies. The STO devs are trying to conflate them with the Solanogen-based lifeforms, but they're quite a different species, with the ones from Schisms having more insect-slash-crustacean-like features. To which, Tumorfang's Taco Boy, known forum troll, comes in with the smackdown. There is no conflation. They are separate species, even in STO. The Alachi, Shroomies, only ever show up in Silent Enemy. Oh man, oh man, he's stirring it up now. Listen, buddy, don't you dare talk bad about Nick. He's my boy, yo. He's my 
Cuban brother from another mother, and he's not even Cuban. <laughs> but that's cool because one day we're going to plan a trip. He and I are eye to eye, bro. Don't you mess with Taco Fang's tumor boy. Well, then Neo Karai, I don't know if I'm spelling that right. He brings in the closer. I smell a taco conspiracy. Did I get that right? No, a taco conspiracy. A taco conspiracy. I like taco conspiracy. I don't know. Anyway, but anyway, thread over once you bring out the taco conspiracy. Azorian Star writes, thanks for pointing out that the new storyline mission is a single episode like Temporal Ambassador. Many people indeed were thinking that it was a new featured event arc. Though I fear that when the mission becomes available, we will surely get... That's it? Oh no, I wanted a whole five episode series. Too bad. Wait for season eight to come out. Need a Dyson sphere. All right, Arcade Master replied to this week's community question. I only buy keys with currency earned in-game, so I never get into a situation where I feel like I lost something, except my time and effort. I think the current value of the boxes is fair, but mostly due to increased lobby gain and the offerings in the lobby store. Uh, and I'm going to editorialize and add in when you throw out lobby sales, too. That probably helps. As for the new box, he continues, I wasn't too interested this time. The Stargaze also chimed in in our community question. I want the mosquito! Seriously, though, I'm disappointed that the Alachi Escort is not available on the Lobby store. Not that I have any huge amount of Lobies lying around, but at least I would like to have the option to be able to buy one. With a 0.1% chance to get the ship in the lockbox. It would have been at least possible in the Lobby store. No idea how long this Escort would be available on the exchange. Honestly, though, I still don't think what the big deal is about this escort. I don't know. I just, it's a mosquito. It's, it doesn't. Hey, man, some people like mosquitoes. Some people like insects that have no evolutionary or societal value. It's a good looking ship, but I just don't think it's worth spending the money on. I would rather have my freaking genetic resequencers. <laughs> Raven writes in, good show, but no shout out to each of the brave players that survived the no-win scenario. Well, I give props to the 12th's very own Cetherius, Tyron X. Great job and way to represent and congrats to everyone else for a job well done. I'm, by this point, a lot of people have beaten the no-win scenario, and if you're walking around with that title floating above your character's head, salute. That's the uber title right now, I think, to get, even though it has been beaten a little more often. I've seen more names flying across the screen, but it's a still pretty elite achievement. Well done to everybody that's managed to do it. All right, and coming to us via PriorityOnePodcast.com, Sean Newboy writes, Great episode, guys. I hope you had... A lot of fun at Vegas. As for the lockbox, when are they going to add Keldon to the Lobby store, as well as some other ship, to have a threesome of Cardi Love with the lockboxes? And just how difficult is the word ship, anyways? I don't know. How, uh, how difficult is that? Uh, sheep. <laughs> I don't know. It was difficult. Darn it. <laughs> Tawani writes in, uh, as to have the lockbox buyer's remorse disappeared, to me, No. I'm so sick of getting DOF packs. I run about 50% getting them. Otherwise, great show. We're with you. We're with you. Like I said, that's why we did the community question this week. What are the drop rates that need to change? Tell us what you think about what needs to be more likely in the boxes and less likely. Or even just drops in general in the game for random loot. Let us know. Eklinar writes, Lockboxes still aren't worth buying because they're gambling. Give me one item for a flat price and I'll buy it. But I'm not going to play dice or virtual goodies. I'll just continue to buy lockbox items off the exchange like I've always done. Jeez, Elklinar. Must be nice to have billions of dollars in EC. Oh, boo-hoo, Elijah. Boo-hoo. I want to give a special shout-out to everybody that's 
starting up discussions on Facebook and retweeting us and replying to our tweets on Twitter and everything. So many people checking in on our social media stuff. But I want to give special shout-outs to Crystal House, who is tirelessly working with Houston Huddleston's restoration crew on the bridge of the Enterprise D, Star Trek Las Vegas. She was right there selling the T-shirts and helping take pictures and stuff. So I had a lot of fun with her, so she checked in on Facebook. Nice to see her there. And another shout-out to Nighthammer Sound, who edited our last episode for us. So thanks for checking in on Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to check us out. Leave a message. Give us a like. And another big shout-out to Sabrina Weiner. She's the one that actually is working on restoring the bridge. She is the model maker, seamstress, artist is what she does by trade. She's been volunteering her time restoring the Enterprise D bridge. That's her blood, sweat, and tears into that bridge. So a big shout-out to her as well. Also in feedback, I want to give a huge shout-out to everyone who joined us last week for our after-show fleet defense. We all jumped on the Priority One Team Speak server. We had a blast. We had 22 people all there, 20 people plus all there, ready to join us. It was a fantastic experience. And a big shout out to the Priority One Fleet for finally hitting Tier 2 and Embassy Tier 1. A special shout out to McLeod, our fleet leader there. If you're interested, reach out to that gentleman there. He'll be able to set you up in-game with the Priority One Fleet. But a big shout out to everyone who joined us last week. It was an amazing experience. We hope to do it again sometime next month. All right, Captains, well, that wraps up this week's feedback. Don't forget you can reach out to us via email at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. In the comments section below this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com or on the Star Trek Online forums for this episode's post. Well, that wraps up episode 139, recorded live on TrekRadio.net. Remember that we are starting at a new time every Thursday night at 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 Pacific. Captains, got something to say? Well... Why don't you join our team as a guest blogger on PriorityOnePodcast.com? If you have other skills that you believe would enhance our content, reach out to us. We're very easily accessible via email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. As you know, we love hearing from you, our listeners, and repeating everything you say on our show. If you have a suggestion, idea, or topic for our Trek It Out or Field Notes segment, or if you have feedback for our show that we can read on the air, you can reach us with our online forum at the Priority One website or via email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com on Facebook or Twitter. And fleet member or not, you can always chat with the team by joining our in-game chat channel. In your chat box at Star Trek Online, just type forward slash channel underscore join spacebar priority one you can get up to the minute news from priority one podcast by visiting our social media websites head on over to www.facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast and please give us a like or you can check us out on twitter via at sto priority one we always post show times and other amazing stuff Priority One is brought to everyone by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please visit PriorityOnePodcast.com to find out how you can support the show. A very big thank you to everyone who helped support our Indiegogo project, getting the Enterprise D-Bridge out there. Check out our website. And a big thanks to Fleet Admirals Wallace and Brian of the 77th Fleets for joining us on this episode's Fleet Admiral interview. Thanks to the entire team over at PriorityOnePodcast.com, our art director, Alex Calderwood, our web developer, Lennon Rich. To our new audio engineer, Jay Nighthammer and Nighthammer Productions. And the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. A special thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com and Playa Escondida. To our syndication partners, Subspace Radio, BlackStarRadio.net, and TrekRadio.net. 
and of course, to the Star Trek Online community. Without you, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. This is what happens okay. when we're not scripted. <laughs> Elijah's going back to school and we all get dumber. Did it and I did it with as much I did it with as much <laughs> I can't with as much Just stop. Just stop. <laughs> I'm gonna go to British Just, now. Go ahead, okay, go ahead. But hopefully y'all enjoyed it. I don't think I don't like I don't like saying y'all. Hello, Captain. This ep- oh, Captains. You see, I already fudged this up. You see, I, it, this is this happens. This happens. Okay. Take a moment and type it out. You'll feel much better, and we can do it with like right. fewer than eighteen takes. No, it's fine. I got it. Because it's eleven oh three. Watch it. Watch this. Watch this. A very special thanks. <laughs> okay. A very <laughs> special thanks. Shut up. Ah, you see, that was pretty good. That'll that'll be fine. All right, right that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. That was pretty good.